You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Terp Talk. Today we have special guests Ali and Ashmad from Source Cannabis. Amjad. Amjad, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I should not have smoked that blunt before we started no, this podcast. No, I know you're high. <laughs> But <laughs> it's all good. It's all love. It's all good. Uh, so today we're here with Source Cannabis. We're going to... I thought that was good. We should have kept that. ...out of cannabis. And I had some really good friends who were cannabis growers. Um, at the time, I was a corporate trainer. Um, and so I... But I had a pretty heavy habit, right? So I would go see my friends who were growers. And at one point, one of them pulls me aside and says, Ali, you know, I feel, I feel bad that I'm taking so much money from you every month. I think you should learn how to grow your own crop and the amount of money you give me, invest it towards, you know, your electricity bill, throw up a couple lights in a closet somewhere and learn how to grow cannabis. Um, that's essentially how it started. Now that there's a whole lot more detail to it, um, but I was talked into it and um, sort of became self-taught and that was back in 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about you, Amshad? Um, I started smoking uh, marijuana at an older age. And I fell in love with it, and it kind of changed my personality. I was kind of a little bit more, you know, just, you know, getting into a lot of, like, you know, like stupid stuff like fights and whatever, and I was angry, and I just took that anger away. So, you know, I really got into cannabis, and I fell in love with it, and I was just delved myself into it. And finally, I decided one day just to move out to California and get into it, which wasn't easy at the time because 2007, nobody was going to, like, you would talk to people about marijuana. They pretend they don't, they don't want to talk to anybody because yep. the DA was raiding everybody. Um, it was, uh, you know, half the people thought I was trying to rob them, the other half. <laughs> so it was like everybody was so scared at that time that it took me a couple of years just to break in. And I broke into the, you know, uh, by opening a dispensary in 2009, buying into one. Oh, and that's how I got into the cannabis. That's how I met Ali, the grower, you know. Yeah. Because so, I was already, <clears throat> like, he had the best product on the market at the time in, in, in Southern California because all the good pot never made, made it down here. So it was really hard to get good, good pot down here. Yeah. And he had the best, and so I was like, "Shit, like I gotta, you know, get to know this guy." And finally, when I bought a dispensary, I met him, and I was like, "All right, man, we gotta do business." And that was in 2009. You know, as I was saying earlier, there's such a strong cannabis culture in Northern California, like from the Bay Area all the way up through the Emerald Triangle. So what would happen is the highest grade cannabis would get consumed up there, you know. And at that time, it wasn't flowing down into Southern California. A few growers from Northern California figured if that they would take the risk to deliver it down here, they could actually get more uh, per pound. And yeah. so there started to, you know, gradually more growers started to um, uh, explore the Southern California marketplace. And um, and so, you know, I came down here and that's how we met. And, you know, when I first came to L.A., I was really shocked because what had happened is I, I'm, I'm from like the D.C. area, but on the outskirts and um I had basically been looking for a good pot over there, and I couldn't find anything. One day, I get something from a guy who's from Berkeley. He had moved to West Virginia and mm -hmm. just would bring a few pounds every month, and I was like, I got to get that pot. So what, what I thought is like, oh, this guy's from California. When I come out here, it's all going to be like that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I... Little did you know. I, it was, I, I came the first day here. I went and got my rack. I went to the dispensary, started smoking. I'm like, this is this is not that good. It's really It really wasn't. And uh, that's when I started hunting, like, because I'm like what they call a connoisseur. I like really, I don't need to have the strongest high. I just have to have like the best quality high. And so I went to the most expensive dispensary. And at that time, um, I bought some eights at $120. Believe it or not, it was, uh, you know, it was called Zeta, I believe. And then I bought this one Blue Dream at $70 and the Strawberry Cough at $80. And by far my favorite was the Blue Dream and the Strawberry Cough. And it turns out that was Ali and his protege. I didn't, you know, oh, so wow. so I started like when I so I bought into the dispensary that had that carried their product, um, and by far like we when 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 we first like met up, I said let's start doing things like why don't we do testers? And he started testing these strains, and this is mind you, 2009. You know, weed maps had just started, and we would put stuff out, and then people would come from an hour and a half away. And said, yeah, I heard on weed maps this stuff is the bomb, and we just couldn't keep enough. But then circumstances, you know, because at that time it was a very turbulent time for everybody like you know you know he was going out of his house the landlord <laughs> wanted to check the house you know or you would you would you know it, it just things weren't consistent enough to actually build what we're building right now with source you know yeah. now the atmosphere is ripe for us to actually 
do te- that's right. what we've done the last year. We did 80 different testers, and we're bringing to market the best of the best of the best um, that we had grown. So there's a lot of product that we sold on the uh, bulk market because we didn't want to put it in source. So we're literally concentrating on the best 20 strains out of those 80, and plus whatever we had before. So even out of the 80, only maybe 13 or 14 made it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And those are all strains that you guys made yourself, or did you guys pheno hunt for those? We pheno hunted for those. Yeah. Yeah. We, we just basically, yeah. So, we just, some were inherited as clones yeah. or what they call garden rescues. Yeah. So when a grower is shutting down their facility due to, you know, a raid or a disease or they're just going out of business, they contact other growers they know and say, hey, I've got these amazing genetics. Could you take them, you to, know? To kind of bank it so if they ever oh, get wow. them again, you know? Right. Yeah. So there was a group of five different groups that all banked different uh, strains, and some of them we almost lost, like, Strawberry cough, but we were able to actually keep. Well, yeah, we grow we grow the original cut of strawberry cough that Kyle Cushman actually is famous for. You know, keeping alive. Yeah. How many ever decades ago, um, and uh, you know it's what they call an elite strain. It means that strain is only available by cutting. It can never be reproduced again. Even if you get the original mother and father genetics of that strain and cross them, you'll never have another strawberry cough. Not that one, you know, not the one they. Kyle Cushman strawberry cough, and it's an amazing strain. It's a perennial favorite of mine. I've been growing it for a long time since my NorCal days, and um, I always go back to it. and it, And people seem to love it. It's popular. Yeah, it was yeah. my favorite sativa by far. So it's very creative. A, that, high. Yeah, that's an example of a garden rescue. You know, so a grower's shutting down for whatever reason. They give you all their genetics. So we pheno hunt. You know, we have garden rescue strains. Um, I've purchased a couple strains from other growers as well. Just you know, tracked it down and hey, can I buy a few clones from you? So that's how they come to us. Okay. Yeah. And how did you guys kind of get together and decide that you're going to make source cannabis? How did that venture start? Well, and my my history is when I was younger, I used to consult for like uh, Fortune 500 companies on sourcing products from uh, overseas and then helping them do the packaging. And, and, and I had already had my own company at a young 19, and we were selling to all the big national chains, and I sold it at 22. I owned 30% of the company, and I was mentored by these guys that knew how to, like, brand. Um, they had different, like, products that they would brand and sell to anywhere from, like, Nordstrom to Walmart. So they were really savvy. Um, and I ended up consulting for people and learning a lot of tricks along the way. Uh, so um, when when we met up in 2009, he wasn't really ready to do massive growing at that time. Um, there, there was, like, this, this comment that everybody says, like, that if, if I was in charge, we'd all go to prison. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because I just wanted to, I really believed, because morally I didn't have anything against it. I didn't believe that, you know, cannabis in any way hurt anyone. Because for anything, it really calms people down. And and I just felt at the time, politically, it wasn't the right time to scale. I prefer yeah. I preferred to stay very small time, medical marijuana grower. Yeah. So along the way, you know, I had, I had, a, I had to leave the dispensary, unfortunately. And a couple of years later, um, a couple of his girls got raided by the DEA at the time. Um, the ones that he was consulting for. And so we were both in a kind of situation where we had to restart. So we restarted on the underground market and um, just enough to survive. Um, and then we basically parlayed everything in to get into the legal market. We made deals with people. We raised a little capital. Um, and then we started the brand. And it was, of course, it was a rough start, but like it's just getting better by the minute. And uh, people are recognizing it because one of the be- best things about our product is it's very functional high. I mean, you're, yeah. you, you're high, but sometimes. What I call it's like you're like in a video game or something. You can still play, you know what I mean? Yeah, to where you don't get that like sedating couch lock effect. We we have certain strains. We, if that's what you want, we have that. But um, you know, like uh, one of the favorite strains that that I, I smoke now only is um, is something we can't really grow. It's not that we can't grow it; we can grow it. But the problem is it doesn't grow very pretty, and so there's no real market value on the on the open market because the the buyer will look at it and say, ah, that's not that that doesn't have a lot of jewelry or whatever. But and, and it, it yields poorly, so we would have to sell it so expensive. That, yeah. So we just grow it for ourselves, um, and we share it with like really close friends and family, and we give we get you know we, we make sure that they they get some. Uh, but it's really really good uh, really good high. It's very 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 anti anxiety. What strain clear. is it? It's Skittles. It's just the way oh, we okay. grow it's it. Oh, the way you guys grow it. Yeah, it just you know because every growing style um, has a different thing depending on you know different feel on the the genetics. It, so it hasn't been the most popular in terms of like putting it in the brand and in terms of the testing it doesn't always do the highest thc numbers it's like lower 20s maybe high teens 
And uh, in the market currently, the way it is, people tend to, for, for the recreational flowers, veer towards like higher THC strains. Yeah. So the Skittles never really caught on under the source label, but we love it as cannabis connoisseurs because, you, you know, there's a lot more going on. There's cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids and et cetera. It's all these phyto, you know, uh, chemicals going on in cannabis. Then there's your subjective experience. You smoke it, you inhale it, you ingest it, and you have this experience. And if that experience is a positive, euphoric, you know, mellow, whatever one for you, whatever positive word you can think of that when you smoke cannabis, then uh, you resonate with that strain. And so we love it. Um, but at this point, it doesn't have maybe mass commercial appeal. And uh, you, got, you got to understand, it's like if, if we bring out a strain that has 9% THC, nobody will buy it. Yeah. But the reality <laughs> is one of my favorite strains that he have grew was Master Cushion. It was 9% THC. It's eight or 9%. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, I, and I smoked it and I couldn't speak for two hours. And it was it was amazing. Like it's like you didn't want to speak. Um, you know, you were just really, really. The terps a, got to you, or what? I really do believe it. <laughs> the terpenes and the people—that's the problem. Is people really think it's THC, and THC is only one factor. And if you really want so much THC, then get just extracts. That's almost pure THC. But if you're smoking flour, you're going to get a more emotional high, and that emotion comes from all those different terpenes and the different cannabinoids. So the reality is, is that for me, someone like me, I don't really care about the THC uh, content. I care more about the terpenes and the and the cannabinoids and if you look at our terpenes they're always in the top one percent and there's so like for example strawberry cough has a mercy content of like 1.6 percent which is like eight times the average or nine times the average but you that 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 terpene gives you a certain effect and if you smoke strawberry cough and especially i liked it in the afternoon you you become very conversational with other people it's really good for working creating if you're writing a script if you're doing something like that music and then quest is on a different level like quest is like that on turbo <laughs> um, so it's really good for people that want to make music. It's very music like it's, you listen to music in a different way. It's a little too potent for me at, at my age right now. I think I've worn out all my receptors. Um, but yeah, it's really really good for that. That's awesome. So what is um, what is the quest like? What exactly is that crossed with? We believe it's some kind of gorilla glue uh, pheno. Mm -hmm. That's what it. It was a garden rescue, and that's what it originally was given to us as right. So we start growing it. And at first it gets rejected. People are telling us, you know, this is not Gorilla Glue number four, which is the well-known one. Yeah. And so we were really, really close to like abandoning that strain, discontinuing it. And at that time we were um, medical operators and uh, some amount of that quest made it into a secret sesh. Uh, and also some pre-roll joints made it into the hands of the dispensary like some staff. festival or some mu music thing. Something whatever. like that. Yeah. And the feedback was that this strain is amazing, it's but it's not a Gorilla Glue. Um, you can't call it that. You guys just got to come up with a new name. And so uh, at that time, you know, one of the growers who was in, in, in the um, uh, dispensary with us, he says, oh, call it Galaxy Quest. So we tried that. It didn't stick, but Quest did. People dropped the Galaxy and party. Said, yeah, they abbreviated just, we want Quest, we want yeah. Quest, and now it's our number one seller. By far. It's a beautiful strain. It's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. No store will place an order if it's not on the, you know, like, <laughs> it has to be on the menu. For really? Now, we, we have other no, fantastic have, no, strains. Okay. But they love it so much, like, they, they, they include it on every order. We, we have other strains. Message to all the dispensaries. We have other strains <laughs> that we believe are equally as Well, uh, right now, D33 is catching Potent as, as, as Quest, and, and they're going to be very well received, yes. Yeah. So be open-minded to some well, of it our, is. They are other actually, strains coming. I know they are. We yeah. just need to produce more. D D33 is, is, is starting. We, we, we tested D33. It did very well. And so everybody was like, oh, we need more, we need more. And so it, it takes time, of course, to ramp up. So we ramped up production by 300% on D33. And it completely sold out. So oh, now wow. we're doubling it again and seeing. So it'll be sixfold of what we originally tried. And it seems to have, it, it just can't stay, it doesn't stay on the menu. Our, our confetti cake confetti has been really popular. Is, yeah, We're yeah. devoting more real estate to that. Um, yeah. I think the animal face is going to be very popular. It's also a very high THC strain. So The thing yeah. is, is you got to understand is that in, 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 the, in the grow business right now, there's people that specialize at, at doing really good exotics. There's people that specialize in doing good OGs. And, and there's people that specialize in doing everything, you know what I mean? And what we tried to do is what we did basically is Ali had two, basically the, the, the first person he, he partnered up with, um, and then when another protege, those three people um, have 40 years combined, um, you know, and, and, and they basically all collaborate together to make sure that all our OGs are incredible, the, all our exotic. The other growers he's referring to work with Source Cannabis now. Yeah, they're, oh, so awesome. they're, they're Yeah, they're facility managers yeah. with our company. Yeah. So we're all working together. So we all it's basically, great. yeah, so basically we all work together to, I, I give them the feedback and what we need. And they do the best they can to make sure that it's that it, that, that it's grown really well. And, and and I don't think there's, as a team, I, I haven't seen really out there 
and I don't want to discount because there's a lot of badass growers out there and, and that mad respect and love to everybody, you know. Um, but the thing is, is like we basically have, uh, you know, we're, are one of the few companies that has multiple OGs that are A+. plus. You know, we have multiple exotics that are A+. plus. We have multiple, you know, indica, sativas, we do it A+. Plus. And that was our goal is like we want to make sure that, you know, and we've, we've lost a lot of money along the way we, doing that. We keep a really high standard for our cannabis flower because we ingest it too. Yeah. You know, we're fans of our own flower. We're consumers of our own flower. So we have a really high standard for ourselves, and that's what we want to scale, and that's what we want to make available to the whole world, you know? Yeah. And, and, and so that, that's what I'm just talking about. Yeah. It's very costly. Yeah. But, again, when we were on the underground market and we were growing, we, we got offered to use phospholode. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm -mm. So phospholode is, is it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a, I don't know what you call it, but it's not a nutrient, but you can put it, you can feed your plants that, and it gives you about 30% more yield. I, f I forgot it's what like the steroids pretty much well I f I, yeah, something I, similar I forgot what the active ingredient is called I used to know it and what it does is it shocks the plant you know at like a genetic level to kind of stop growing bush out and be really heavy in terms of the bud yields yeah um, but I I believe that you also sacrifice quite a bit of quality and, and the original genetic expression of that strain is sacrificed yeah you and, know and by treating it with these chemicals and then those chemicals became actually classified as illegal in the state of California. Oh, but wow. a lot of growers, when they found out it was going illegal, stocked up on it and continued using it even through the you know, medical and recreational and whatnot. And we absolutely refuse to have practices like that. In fact, we're clean green certified if you want to talk about that later. So but even these all go hand in hand. On the underground market, I mean, there was really no, it, if we had used them and they were harmless, we might we might have used them because nobody really cared at that time of like how incredible quality was it might have made a difference of fifty hundred dollars a pound we we ethically and morally were against them because they cause cancer and so when when we sat and, and thought of the option we said well if we don't smoke it I said would you smoke it no would you smoke it no okay so if we're not willing to smoke it how can we sell it and so you know we were so morally opposed to it um, and in a, you know in 99 percent of the the product that was on the shelves of, of dispensaries had it and so we just felt like, you know, we just couldn't do it. We just didn't think that the money was worth risking people's lives and our, or, you know, and, and, and we would like be hypocrites. Our, yeah, yeah our, our sense of ethics and principles yeah. and core values would be, you know, violated. If, yeah, yeah, of if course, we, if we especially did. at the end of the day, cannabis is used as a medicine. Correct. You shouldn't really be putting anything in there that's going to increase cancer if people are using it to fight cancer. Right, right. Exactly. It's contradicting that's itself it. right there. I mean, yeah. let's, let, you know, it's not necessarily maybe that those ingredients cause cancer per se, but yeah. they can be carcinogenic and they, you know, more they can, than cigarettes. Yeah. They're more carcinogenic. Yeah. And so, um, anyhow, we, we refuse to use them. We always have. And, um, you know, and and there's a lot of great growers out there that have a, a very high integrity, and True, they don't yeah. they don't use these things. But there were also a lot of other growers under uh, like commercial financial stress, and they use these things to get bigger yields. Um, but now in the regulated recreational market, of course, we you know we have to follow very strict rules. So if you're buying your cannabis at legal dispensaries that are licensed from grown by legal growers, etc., you know you're you're getting a much cleaner product than what used to be out there Absolutely. ten years ago. That's crazy. Do you want to um, get in a little bit about your growing methods? And because you mentioned you guys were clean green certified. So if you want to get in a little bit about what that is. Yeah, sure. For, you know, for uh, scale indoor growing, um, there aren't so many uh, uh, cultivators using soil. So we do use pure living soil. Um, of course, we use, you know, very high quality filtered water. Uh, almost all organic nutrients, they're all OMRI listed, and that's O-M-R-I, Organic Materials Review Institute. So almost everything I use is organic. Um, and of course, I follow all the state guidelines with pesticides, et cetera. Um, you know, those are all natural, organic, where possible, uh, properly applied, following all the protocols that were laid out for us. Um, and then we got something called uh, Clean Green certification. Now, Clean Green was started by an attorney named Chris Van Hook some number of years ago. I've known him for a long, long time. And uh, what he did is he created a program that was parallel to the USDA organic program. Uh, as cannabis growers, we were not allowed to use the word organic when we marketed our product. So he created this program whereby our crops are using the same method as organic certified food crops would be. Um, but we, he came up with a different name and that was Clean Green. And, and in addition to that, there's these best practices that you have to follow besides being an organic farmer, like keeping your facilities super clean, making sure everybody's trained, you know, in, in all the different company policies and, 
and all the different state regulations. I mean, there's there's a whole list of things you have to do to be clean green certified. And it's just our way of demonstrating we're we're doing our best to go above and beyond the highest standard. Uh, that's that our contemporary highest standard. Yeah. And the thing is, is that the first, second, and third people that were um, clean green certified indoor indoor in, indoor clean green certified in California are the three people that work for us. Really? Yes. Yeah. yes. It's me and then our two our two other master growers who, the who first manage that's our so facility. badass. That uh, gives you guys like a gold yeah. just like medal right there. We were, we were <laughs> the real. first first three indoor. Now there have yeah. been outdoor growers yeah, certified. Yeah, of course, but, but like indoor is a little yeah. bit more hard to get in my opinion. Just and at that, that time sure. I had a dispensary and I got it certified as a dispensary. That's and you know I went to tell him and then he he was trying to same time he was telling me about this guy. So oh, wow. we, we'd, we'd both known about Van Hook for around the same time because I was trying to do things differently at that time. But one of the things you, we would love to explain to the, the, you know, the audience is that, like, another thing we do is, again, we sacrifice money by um, the last, you know, the, the, the flowering life cycle of cannabis is about eight and a half weeks. The last three weeks, um, most, you know, not, again, there's some, I, I don't want to disrespect anyone, but the standards are to keep feeding it nutrients and maybe do a one-week one week flush um, by flush, I mean, is you just give it water. So you're giving the plant only water to take out all the... No uh, fertilizer, no pure fertilizer, water. Just to get the salts and sugars out so that when you smoke it, if you ever smoke a joint and you get a salty feeling, yeah, that's that means there's salts in there that haven't been washed out and it's, it's not good. So the thing is what we do or, is... Or we, when you go to ash the joint and, and the cherry is still a darker color and maybe yeah. the whole thing falls out as like one yeah. cube, you know, as opposed to like yeah. fine gray ash. Yeah. yeah. So those are all... So we do it for three weeks. Oh, wow. So the, the last week of flushing, the water is uh, tr like clear. There's yeah. no, there's, the first week, it's brown. The second week, it's lighter brown. By the third week, it's completely transparent. And that l lets you know that the, the soil is clean and the roots are clean. And whatever the plant is taking that last the, week is clean. There is something called PPM, parts per million. So the idea with flushing is to get that parts per million as low as possible and to get it to match what your pure water with whatever dissolved, you know, solids or particles may be in there to get that PPM to match that pure water. And so those those plant roots are just getting, you know, flushed. All the molecules of salts and sugars that build up around them are just getting stripped away. And you're getting that pure cannabis taste, aroma, and flavor of that strain, not of the nutrients that go in there. There are different kinds of nutrients, especially sugars, that can be used to manipulate the taste of cannabis to make it taste like something else. Um, I've experimented with it within the past, but I'm a purist. I always come back to, I want to taste that strain. And I want the optimal genetic expression of that strain. I don't want to manipulate it. I don't want to mess with nature. Yeah. Nature has much greater intelligence than, you know, any little nutrient or, you know, chemistry or technology I could use. Yeah. Yeah, and so I want to empower nature to express itself. Yeah. And that's... And then we try to go uh, beyond also in post-production. So once it's, uh, it's, it's chopped, we basically make sure that it dries pure, uh, properly, and then when it gets trimmed, it gets trimmed and put into jars. And the reason we put it into jars is because all glass jars, all glass jars. And the reason, and that's very logistically, that's very difficult. If, yeah. if you can imagine having yeah, a bigger hundreds grow and curing all hundreds of pounds in glass jars, yeah. but the reality is, is when job. product is cured in jars, there's two things that really help. The first thing I like is that when you put it in a plastic bag, what happens is that the the all the uh, buds are kind of uh, tightly, I don't want to say crushed, but they're really put, and the THC glands start to burst. And, and there's that electrostatic pressure yeah, that, the, that builds up through the plastic, the plastic bag. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so that zaps putting all it in the glass, cannabinoids and yeah. terpenes off of yeah. the flower. Yeah. It, it lets the plant cure the buds in their natural shape, and they get very tight that way. And when you put it in, 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 in jars and you let the you, you let the air not circulate in there, and then you open it two hours a day, and for the first seven, eight days until it's purely, um, you know, cured. When you smoke the joint, not only will it give you a much smoother. Now, there's two good, two types of coughs. One's good, one's bad. The bad cough is when you put it in your throat and your throat hurts and all that. That's a bad yeah. cough. If you smoke it and it goes into your lungs, and then a few seconds later you're coughing, that's a good clean cough. Doesn't do much damage. And you should look at the ash, and if the ash should be like a gray. If the ash is black, that's that's again not a not a very it hasn't been flushed properly or cured properly. There's still some remnants of water in there. So when it comes to curing, what would you say is like the best way to preserve the terpenes besides by putting it in the jars? Um, everybody's different. Yeah. I, I, you know, his style is pretty cool. Which, like, 
we get we get the you know the our eighths in jars. Mm-hmm. He keeps them in the fridge, um, which makes them last. I, I keep time. everything in really cool temperatures. I'm giving away one of my secrets here. So, <laughs> the, uh, the drying room, the room where all the cannabis flower is being trimmed, the room where it's being cured, and then in the distribution, the room where it's all being packed. Uh, we keep them all relatively cold, so that helps preserve those oil uh, membranes, those oil, those glands onto the um, onto the flower. And then, of course, uh, like Amjad was saying, we use glass to cure everything, so we try to minimize contact with plastic. Our um, delivery vans are make, we make sure to keep the AC really cold in there. Our distribution room is cold. Is that better? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, you know, from the distribution room to everything, we try to keep it really cold and keep it. But like, if you're trying to keep it long term, um, you know, like for, for me, I don't care. I, I actually love it when they get like really old and dry. I that's the way I like it. Yeah. Um, you know, I like to just be able to like have it just with my hands, just crushed and just roll a joint. Yeah, I mean, but the, the, with the you, stuff he has you, in the fridge is good too. You so. also want minimal like uh, what do you call it um, disturbance, knocking the buds around. Yeah. So it takes a lot of training and retraining for uh, post production cultivation, and then as they hand it off to distribution, to not like you know pour jars out aggressively, you know shuffle buds around with your fingers everywhere. You want to be a little bit more gentle with it. Yeah. We want to try to preserve again all. We those. spend a lot of money. I mean, our our costs. Like, that's when I say we we don't make as much money. Um, we make less money because uh, our labor is very. It's labor intensive on all aspects. From the fact that it's soil has to be mixed. It's not just a cube you can put in there. The soil's heavy. Um, our we, everything has to be hand watered at with the right timing to get all the roots, the waters, the water that it needs. Um, to be gently chopped, you know, when they chop the plants, to be gentle all the way for our trimmers to do it gently, which costs more per hour and takes more hours. Yes. To the distro being, everything along the way has to be gently done. That's why we haven't really, you know, had outsiders. We could we could outsource it, that part of it, um, and make and save a lot of money, but we choose not to because when we deliver the product to the end user and we say this is the best we can do, this is the best we can do. You know? you know, and all along the way, all the different folks that touch the flower on its way into being packed into source, there are incentives in the forms of quarterly bonuses or biweekly bonuses or whatever to ensure that they're following the best practices. So, you know, you're, you're incentivized to, yeah. to, to slow down a little bit, be patient and take care of the product. Our goal is for every eighth jar to be delivered, you know, looking like something we would be proud to buy and smoke ourselves. That's the goal. It's hard to do, you know. The more you scale, the harder it is to do. But that's constantly one of our. Uh, We've also no- noticed as the when the when the flower is really really nice, the people that work there have a sense of pride, and they almost like they're like they enjoy they, going to work. Yeah, yeah they, and enjoy, awesome. they enjoy yeah. working with it and with saying, the flowers. So when yeah. they trim it, they're like like you can tell like when we have a bad crop, which happens. It's a farm, you know. Let's be real. They, yeah, but when it's really when it's really nice, they you know their attitude is is just that you can just tell their comments. Their you know it's it's really cool. I used to be a trimmer, so like I know, <laughs> you know exactly uh, that feeling when you get like a super nice like my favorite strain to trim was a Gorilla Glue or Blue Dream, just because of like the jewelry, big nu- yeah, yeah just the big the nugs, big, nugs, yeah. big trikes, easiest trim, easiest to trim. So it's yeah. like I totally understand what you guys mean by. And that. we're lucky; we have really good you know people that yeah. surround us. We're we're very blessed in that sense. Is like we couldn't do it without all those people, and along the way, you know, we, we've we've picked up some people on our team that are just like, I mean, I can't imagine. You know, doing this without them, it just wouldn't be fun. You know? Yeah. So. That's so awesome. You guys are like a little family. We're a tribe. Yeah. I yeah. love that. Like, <laughs> that's kind of hard to find right now in the cannabis industry. You know, like you guys are kind of bringing the compassion back, and it really shows. Man, it's it's hard for cannabis operators. We're all under so much pressure. Yeah. You know, I liken it to like you put me in a boxing match, tie my wrist behind my back, and put a blindfold on me, and then you're telling me to box this guy like. The amount of regulations and taxes and pressure and everything we have to go through, it's tough for cannabis operators, for all of us, you know? And so um, you, you can't blame some folks for um, sometimes sacrificing certain company culture in order to just try to make, just try to eat. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a tough business. It's 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 not all glamour. We never if, imagined if it would be this tough, yeah. to be honest with you. Like, sometimes, I, you know, like, like just coming to the legal market, and, you know, we know people that never came to the legal market, and their their life is a lot easier in a lot of ways. The the good thing about being in the legal market is like, you know, you you know you're doing everything by the book, so you kind of sleep better at night. But then other problems arise that wake you up too. So it's like you know it's, you know it's 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 yin yang. There's no real right you know. Every week, at least once a week, I joke at work about like 
there's a thousand things I got to do that I, I don't love in order to do the one thing that I love, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so. And I so, thought we have seven different lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> building a corporate structure, you know, all the legal, the policy, the, the regs, everything. We got technical issues. <laughs> technical difficulties. There Sorry we go. about that, guys. <laughs> My mic was off. I'm like, why can't I hear myself? Um, do you guys want to get in a little bit about your transition into Prop 64 from 215? Yeah, we were basically, it just started like, we were trying to make a living just doing underground growing. And do you want to smoke our joint? Yeah, I'll smoke yeah, your joint. Yeah, why are you going to smoke that when we got? <laughs> now, this is 20% strawberry cough, 80% Ooh, Skittles. I'm excited. So I'll, I'm going to let you. It's a great mix. Yeah, let me start it. And then, there you go. That's yeah. my own personal mix. Like, that's yeah. what I smoke at home. This is really? a hand rolled joint. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm an OG lover, and my yeah. specialty in growing is OGs. Like, I've always been smoking OGs. I love Kush's. But lately, uh, the, the Skittles and the, and the smoothie and the Skittles crosses have kind of. Oh my God, it smells so terpy. terpy. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've smoked strawberry cough since like the Prop 215 days, to be honest. Just, we it's should. Hard. We don't have. We don't know. We don't have any right now. It's we hard do. To we'll find you, a good well, one. We should send her. We should we're, send we're, some. We're yeah. gonna. Um, we're gonna be jarring some. Um, we just got it tested, so we should be drawing some next week. I'll make sure that you know, you get some. Yay! I'm excited. I'll do a, a uh, the, the, terpene breakdown on that. So stay the, tuned. The thing is that stuff sells out so fast, but. That it's hard to keep it for yourselves. Well, we were only, <laughs> we were only growing. What happened was, is that I wanted some, so I said, grow, just grow some, so I can test some, and then whatever I don't use will will sell. Problem is when we put it on the market, and um, it's a very low yielder, so it's in our, you know, top price bracket. Yeah. Um, it's a very low yielder. It doesn't make us any money. Really, <laughs> it's terrible yielder. It's very difficult to grow. It doesn't grow up. It grows it, sideways. It, yeah, it's hard. It's hard <laughs> to it's make hard it to yield. It's hard really? To, yeah, yeah, but with yeah. the guy that manages it, the, man, the guy that handles it, it was that's all he grew. So he's a strawberry cough specialist. That's yeah. That's remember I told yeah. That, so so we, we got lucky, and we sent it out to the stores, and then all of a sudden, like, not even an hour, it was all sold out. And so then the next round was like ten or fifteen pounds, and it sold out in less than an hour. We're like Jesus, what's going on, man? So we had to put limits on how much people could buy of it. So now, oh, wow. yeah. So now we we put thirty pounds, and that sold out in like two three days. So now we're we got another like twenty some pounds. We'll see how long that takes. But that's awesome. You can already smell. If you notice, I don't inhale the butane through the joint, and I would recommend everybody out there, if you're smoking a joint, you try to use a torch if you can. If you're gonna use a big lighter, which is what I use sometimes, also, just light it from the outside. Don't inhale while you're lighting it because you'll you'll get butane through the Get get, get the tip it, get the tip burning and yeah. then take your first hit yeah. and that should get the joint started. Yeah, don't 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 inhale butane through that because you're ruining your cannabis. Just FYI, that'll get the tower started. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. The new word for joint is tower, by the way. Yeah, our new because <laughs> it should be as it should be because they look like towers <laughs> and you guys time. make towers. Here right. we go. <laughs> if I'm on camera, you know. There we go. Look Power. at Ollie wearing both source and tower. <laughs> That's the whole mood. I'm not just a founder and an owner. I'm a fan. <laughs> you got to be a fan of your own product. For yeah. real. Yeah. If you can't smoke it, then why are you putting it on the shelves? You know, that's kind of one thing that I stand by. You yeah. want to tell her about um, our start in the recreational, the transition from medical operators to. Yeah. One so him and I partner up 50-50. And, uh, you know, the thing is, is that I didn't, I didn't know how to grow. Yeah, I, I mean, I was like a white belt, and, and you know, and, and he's a black belt. So you know, we basically, um, and I had fallen financially, so I was hungry and humble, and uh, so he he was the same. And so basically, we, you know, I said, look, you know, you're giving me fifty percent of this whole endeavor we're doing. I don't know how to grow. I don't think that's fair. Give me twenty five percent. He's like, no, man, I I did business with you when you had a dispensary. I like the way you did bu do business, and one day. Um, you're going to basically handle the business side, which is going to, you know, that's what I'm investing in. I know, you know, I know who you are. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I said, so we would drive, we'd be driving down to the grows, smoking weed, you know, don't do that, guys. But <laughs> we were. <laughs> don't smoke and drive. Don't smoke and drive, but, you know, I Unless don't know. your windows are tinted. <laughs> Unless you have a charcoal filter hooked up to a fan inside your car. <laughs> so, you know, but we would be joking, laughing. And then once we get there, you know, I would literally just, not say anything and just follow his lead. And I got decent at it, so I learned a lot of things, you know, along the way. 
you know, I learned how to clone. I learned how to, you know, I know people say learn how to water, but you do have to learn how to water because oh, you do. Because if people think, what well, is just watering? No, they're overwatering, you ruin the plants. Underwatering, you ruin the plants. So perf perfectly watering is 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 an art. And then, believe it or not, it's 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 actually in our company you get promoted to doing that. It's not like something you get a job. You can't get a job watering. You get promoted to it. Oh wow! Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I learned that. I learned all the different tricks and trades. But what I didn't know how to do is what he's really good at is he has this like synergy with the plants where he knows if it's sick. You know, he can like he's like the whisperer of these plants. I don't understand it because he can walk into a room and I see everything's fine. And he sees one plant that's like diseased. Um, and so he, you know, he's like a scientist. You know, and I'm like, you know, and, and I, I basically, you know, we just expanded and, and and did partnerships with people and help you know like consult people to make money to survive and but we were broke and he comes one day he'd just done a mushroom trip over the weekend and he's like <laughs> you know what man we need to get a license a, a, a dispensary license so we can grow and i'm like dude that, they're going for like 1.6 million man I, I we don't we don't even have like 1600 dollars let alone you know what are you talking about man we're, we're eating at the taco truck for my birthday you know to celebrate yeah so anyway so he's like dude don't think about that just you know you, you you're you're pretty good at like manifesting shit just let the universe do it and uh and one of the things i would go to meetings that i knew that had no there was no real opportunity but i would just go just to kind of let the universe know that i'm looking for a license and then uh a couple years later we ended up getting two licenses you know and, and two different growth facilities and and I get you the know, ashtray, so yeah, guys, absolutely. thank you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, it was uh, just making deals with certain people, um, being, you know, very persistent, uh, and then making sure that um, everybody was basically working together to make sure that we didn't fall along the way because it was, it was, a, it was a Hail Mary. It was a very big risk, you know, no money and expanding, no money, and then, you know, and it was just really, really risky. Um, but we did it, you know, and uh, we were able to, to survive. That's awesome that you guys are one of the brands that like made it through the transition to <laughs> Yeah. Now, now we, we went know. through, you know, a couple iterations of the brand before yeah. arriving at Source. But yeah, we were we were medical operators uh, with a couple dispensaries and a couple grows here in LA, um, all operating under the former uh, Prop D, Prop M, whatever, you know, it, it was it was called uh, before uh, we became recreational. And so yeah, we were then rolled over into the recreational market. And uh, it was a very tough start for us. There were multiple moments of what seemed like was going to be collapse, you know, of everything we were doing. It was just, like I said earlier, it was so regulated, you know. And, and, and we're and, not one of the brands that got like $20 million in funding or $30 million in funding. So we weren't yeah, able we to. Yeah, we were homegrown. You know, we were no basically. Pun intended. Yeah, we, weren't <laughs> able, we weren't able to maneuver or make mistakes. Yeah. You, didn't, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't land on the right, you know, in the right place, you, 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 you fell, you know. And so. Um, and uh, and it made us actually stronger in the end because now everybody knows that we're all on the same team and we're all trying to just get to this place together, which is really cool because, you know, I mean, having money is great. I, don't get me wrong, you know, but it, having like that kind of that that tribe mentality that we're all working together to get one place is the culture is community. pretty cool. Yeah, we're a community, you know, we're and we're mission driven. You know, we have we have a purpose here and um, here, back to you. Back. Yep. Um, oh um, but yeah, God, it was, I'm gonna burn my nails. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll finish it later. I'm but, like, uh, I can't hit that. Yeah, it was it was it was a really tough transition, and I know it was for a lot of cannabis operators. We know many people in uh, in this industry, and we talked to a lot of people, and uh, it was tough for a lot of us. So I'm you know very proud of the folks who've been able to endure it and have the resilience to make it this far. Um, yeah. yeah, you gotta understand is that so so people know like back in the day when I came into in 2007. Um, you know, you had to be crazy to get in this business. And believe me, there was a lot of crazy people, including myself. I think, you know, when I look back at it, yeah, that was crazy, you know. And um, uh, But I'd, al I'd already taken a lot of risks, you know, in my life. And I said, you know what, this I'm just going to go for it. Um, and, you know, I can speak up just for myself that it was not only was it risky because you can get robbed, which I did, you know, <laughs> you know, things like that. That's But it's also risky uh, because... Uh, the, the, at that time, state, like local police, whatever, could arrest you, and you could do several years in state pen, um, which nobody wants to do, you know. Um, so, the the kind of people that at that time this business drew out were people that were, um, you know, risk takers and not necessarily the best businessmen, not necessarily the best growers. Not it didn't always happen like that. It just it was people that 
were willing to take a risk or a calcul- you could say a calculated risk because you know there was um, some protection, but it was re- very, 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 you know, hit or miss. I mean, anybody, the, the local police could arrest you, um, the, the DA could get you, you know, I mean, and and what I did, besides the dispensary, if you're doing like moving marijuana or growing or whatever, yeah. there's, there was really no protection for that. Just before the show, we were having a, a conversation here about how, you know, when, when I first got into growing cannabis, your hands would be shaking when you went to the hydroponic store to open the door. There'd be police helicopters circling above, you know, undercover units across the street following people home and then popping them. You know, and it, w- it was a crazy time, especially the bigger the vehicle, the quicker you'd get followed. Now, you were also exposed to thieves. So it was a crazy time back then, you know, in, in, in yeah. cannabis. Yeah, it was like the yeah. Wild West. It was. It was the <laughs> Wild West, yeah. yeah. Like everybody would tell me, what do you do? And I'm like, real estate. And then I, I accidentally one time talked to a guy who knew too much about real estate. No. And he asked, yeah. <laughs> so he asked me questions about this, that, and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> You're like, what did I get myself yeah, what, exactly, into? Yeah, exactly. So, but I, I couldn't tell anybody, you know, I couldn't tell anybody what I was doing. So. And now look at you. You're on a podcast talking about what you do. It, well, <laughs> a surreal moment came one time when we, we were consulting for this big grow, and uh, they had motion sensors that got activated. So what happens is if you have one motion sensor that gets activated, you don't worry because it could be something that moved. But what was worrisome that night at, like, midnight or 1 in the morning was that seven different ones got activated. So what everybody thought was there's burglars in there going from room to room to stealing stuff. We called the police. It, 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 it looked like multiple people had broken into the grow <laughs> and were running around the facility because of the way the alarm sensors were triggered. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So the police come, and we were there, and there was a helicopter. At one point, two helicopters. <laughs> they they all— and, and, and him and Six I are looking, German shepherds. Yeah, it was full like— SWAT gear. I'm telling you, it's downtown. And, and we were like, wait, this is fucking surreal because— <laughs> They were there to protect yeah, us. Back in the day, I— uh, they were there to help us. They were, it was, oh and they came and shook our hands and yeah, said, it was that's the most beautiful grow we've seen. And we're like, I'm like, first of all, I, I think like I'm oh. being pranked or something. This yeah. is, you know, like, there's here's, no way. Here's, here's the no really way. funny part of that story. The alarm sensors were triggered in, uh, in such rapid succession because a pigeon had gotten into the grow. There was a small oh hole gosh. somewhere where it had worked its way through and it was flying around at night. And it looked like a whole bunch of people, <laughs> like a gang of people had broken yeah. in and yeah. running around. That's the funny part of the story. The surreal part of the story, as Amjad said, is like, you know, shaking hands with the police and them saying, "Hey, we're here to protect your business, like any other business." That's a really nice it, grow. It, it was awesome. It was a, that was that yeah. moment. You know, makes yeah. makes the journey worth it. All, all the challenges, you know, and all the hurdles we've had to overcome to become uh, legal operators, and then to have that kind of moment. You know, I've I've our our grow here in downtown LA. I've personally given a tour to six or seven LA city detectives, and that was another surreal moment taking them through my grow room by room and explaining what yeah. we do and how everything works. And then they gave me their business cards and said, hey, if you ever need my help, just call me up. Yeah, or the council member. The, you know, council City council m- member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was really cool. Twi- on b- two different ones for two different locations. It's nice to finally be accepted. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, so we, crazy. We, That's awesome. Yeah, that we, would be kind of awkward walking through the grow with the cops. And then at the end, they shake your hand. They're like, that was so beautiful. Like- and of course, I don't even tell you about like, you know, I'm Middle Eastern. So my family, when they found out, they're like, Oh, you're gonna go to prison. You, all these things. I mean, just to, and now they're like, "How did you know?" Yeah, <laughs> you know. And so it's that you know dealing with that pressure too of like, you know, you know having your friends worried about you and you know giving you advice like, "Dude, don't do this. Don't do this." And I think one of his buddies, all the same thing was like, all his not all his buddies, but mine especially were like, oh, "Dude, you're crazy to get into this. You know, you're gonna go to jail." And um, so that 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 put a lot of pressure because you're like, "Damn, man." I really need support right now. I don't yeah. need. I don't Instead need, of like all yeah, the negativity. Yeah, yeah, but they were just worried, you know. Yeah, it was it was a scary time getting into the industry in the Prop 215 days. So yeah. I'm glad that that's over. Um, do you guys have any like new plans for Source this coming year? Maybe some new products, new strains. Well, uh, some of the things that we've done um, to explain to you our products, we really um, we don't. Our policy is to do things the best that we can. So we are not the kind of company that's going to be all over the place. What and what I mean by that is like we're not going to do an um, edibles line yet. We're not, and I say yet. When we're not going to do an extract line yet. Uh, and the reason is is because you know to perfect what we're doing um, took so much time and so much energy that we want to make sure that we are the best that we can be in flower. Um, we just introduced our new packaging, which has a freshness seal and the cool thing about that freshness seal is that you it's reusable just put it back and close the lid it reseals and that keeps the uh, the product fresh longer 
that's that's one thing that we've done. Um, so we're constantly evolving. Our Tower 7 pack uh, has, uh, in the bottom of it, it's entombed. It has a Bavita pack. It's a 55% uh, humidity so that it doesn't uh, ever get dry or too moist. Uh, and and if you look at the 7 pack, it's a, it's a very beautiful packaging, but it's also very functional. Um, and it holds the joints in place. It's, it's really cool. And that's what we're really, we just basically finished that. Our next goal in the next two to three years is to introduce a, a high-end uh, hash line. Um, and we're going to go with some of the old school styles of doing hash. Um, everybody's doing water hash. Everybody's doing all this stuff. We want to do the like the real what real hash is. And when I say real hash, I, I shouldn't say real hash because it's evolved. But what traditional hash used to be like from Morocco or the Baqa Valley in Lebanon, you know, what's known as Lebanese red, you know, Moroccan brown, and they call it zero zero. It's some of the best sift hash you can get. And so we want to figure out a way to bring that kind of hash because if you've ever smoked it, it is on a different level it's 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 really really good um and it tastes really good the taste is amazing and so and uh, we want to do that and then we want to introduce a nice edibles line again we like to keep things on the higher end product and yeah. when i mean higher end it's not like we want the best quality um so that's our that's what we're uh, going towards the future but right now we're we're so in demand that um our goal is to you know expand our cultivation and and we probably will have some new strains before the end of the year as well just testing out some strains. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you guys um, have anything to share before we wrap up? Or? No, I just want you to see if you can <laughs> say my name right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so rude. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, no, it's funny. I thought yeah. it was funny. It's, 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 uh, it's no, a difficult it's okay. thing to say. I, I'm, uh, I'm Middle Eastern, too. My family's from Israel. So oh, really? It, yeah. They were cousins. It, that's what I'm saying. So uh, it's like I always butcher those Middle Eastern it's okay. names. Like I, I have all my cousins. Like I'm It's okay. Like, I know, you, you know, but it's just it, to me, it's just funny. That's uh, it, so, <laughs> uh, the, Actually, if you know, uh, my name is Amjad, and for years I would go by John. And the reason is, is because um, I was in the restaurant business, and so every time I would say Amjad, they think I'm saying I'm John. <laughs> so and it took so much time to figure it out or to try to explain to them my real name and they would butcher it so I went by John for a long time but now I'm going by Amjad and uh, you know it's okay I, I always forgive people that mess up my name as, as long as they're cool you know <laughs> yeah. well I hope that I'm cool you're super so. cool super cool and thank you guys for having us on here yeah, thank you for all the listeners for tuning in and you know thank you to the world for increasingly accepting cannabis this is, this is great how much time Oh, we got seven. That's oh, that's a you long came time. In, I hey, we, we just <laughs> we just said goodbye. <laughs> we just said goodbye. Thank you to the world. We're out of here. <laughs> We're not out of here. We have another five minutes, guys. You're stuck uh, with us. <laughs> it's all good. Um, do you guys want to share any like crazy cannabis stories from maybe the Prop 215 era? Uh, <laughs> I can share with you crazy story on the long East Coast. Long list. <laughs> I know that's why I'm like, let's get into those. Those are always fun. All right, I'll, I'll share with them a funny story. Um, uh, in Northern Virginia, I basically, when I started smoking weed, I told you I really liked yeah. it. So I, I had a good connect, so I would buy some and I would sell some to some people. And um, I guess, uh, you know, somebody got caught and I got I got raided in my home. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I was sitting on the toilet. So <laughs> so you can imagine you're sitting there and then the store opens. It's like, sir, you need to come with me. And I'm like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? So, um, you know, that was a bad experience. It kind of shook me because it was like, man, in my home, they came to my home for selling weed. Um, but I was lucky I got I got that, those charges off. But um, uh, but it, it was it was pretty, pretty scary um, on the East Coast because people don't understand. It's like I can drive here with 100 pounds. Yeah. And I'm not scared. But in Virginia, if I drive with an eighth, I'm scared. Really? Yeah, yeah it's bad. It's bad. Like, yeah, it's it's really bad. Like over there, like. You know, it's you're 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 in an area where it's around the government, so you know they, and it was very strict uh, rules about these things back then. They're better now. I think they have medical marijuana now. Yeah, I believe they're medical in D.C. In Only D.C. DC. DC. What about and, Virginia? And Virginia, I believe, will soon have medical. some type of de decriminalized yeah. cannabis law. Yeah. Yeah, but medical this is in 2001 and 2002, mm -hmm. right after September 11th, and so everybody was very vigilant, and so you're all scared to drive. You know, like with, with yeah, of yeah, course. They would weed with you. That's so crazy. Yeah. How about you, Ali? I think just the way I got into this was crazy. It's, I mean, I have a lot of crazy stories, right, of what I've been through doing this. But um, what we were talking about before the show is, like, you know, the, the, the individual who convinced me that I could grow cannabis, I set up the garden, buy, you know, 30 clones, bring them home, whatever. I'm ready to go. 
unbeknownst to me, this person was <clears throat> dabbling a little too much in psychedelics <laughs> on a daily basis and kind oh, no. of ended up having to go into care. And so I lost my first mentor, but I have a garden sitting there not knowing what to do with it, right? So we scramble around, my roommate and I, who's my former roommate, who's now one of our facility managers we talked about earlier. So, man, how, what are we going to do? We, we, we put money into this. We got to grow these plants. Like, this is super stressful. Find someone else to mentor us, to help us out. Unbeknownst to me, that person also has, like, a, a substance abuse thing going on and ends up having to go into care. And I'm like, again? No. <laughs> I mean, it was just a crazy start, right? It was like... You know, I, I was I was like shattered inside. Like, do I even continue doing this? Is this a sign from God that I'm not supposed to do this? You know, so from the very beginning, it taught me if you want to do cannabis, you got to be resilient. You got to be all in because at one point the whole world was against us. Um, and ev from everywhere, if you were getting robbed, you couldn't call the cops for help. You know, everything, your parents, your friends, everybody was concerned about you. Like Amjad was saying, but we kept persevering for all the folks who've been in this for a minute and you've been doing this and you're still doing it, you know, you deserve a lot of credit and a lot of <clears throat> praise because you're bringing the plant of enlightenment to people. You're bringing a medicine to people. It's consumed nonviolently. It's actually could be healthy for you. And finally, we're at a time when we're starting to get uh, acceptance for it. So, um, yeah, it was a crazy start from the beginning. You got you got to be all in if you want to do cannabis. It seems like you have one of those stories where you're just like meant to be a grower, you know, like everyone just left and then it, you were just there to fiend for yourself and figure it out. And now you're growing like the best cannabis. Thank you. Yeah. We, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it's it. It's a pleasure. It's, uh, it's an honor. That's awesome. Um, and again, how's the high? The high? Can you tell yeah. I'm pretty high right I can now? Tell you're pretty high, yeah. I can. I'm like I'm losing track of time. I know. <laughs> it's, it's a little. It's, see, but it's, that's a low. T, that's a low, low THC. That high doesn't. It's not too intense. It's no, like it's the perfect awesome. kind of like 50-50 sativa high. I call it a mood enhancer. That's why it's that's, a mood yeah, enhancer. But I'm I here like. like, wait, how long have we been talking? That's a mood <laughs> enhancement. <laughs> awesome. Okay, let's try this again. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Terp Talk. And thank you, Amjad and Ollie. Oh, <laughs> I love her. Thank you guys for coming out from Source Cannabis. Don't forget to follow Source Cannabis as well as Terp Talk CA, respectmyregion.us, and of course, the Terp Queen. And we'll be talking Terps together soon. Awesome. You're listening to Hayes Radio Network, Cannabis Lifestyle Radio.